Hello, what's good, my fellow ballers? Welcome back to another episode of Ballin' with Tyler Tide. You, you could say this week has been pretty awesome. The Padres have won seven straight and swept the Dodgers. Suns win in a close fashion for Game 2 of the Western Conference Finals. And the Atlanta Hawks pull out Game 1 against the Milwaukee Bucks? I'm shook. What the heck? Let us not waste any more time. And here we go. So starting off this time with NBA playoffs, Tuesday night, literally after my show, the Suns and Clippers duked it out in game two. And let me tell you, this game was absolutely incredible. The final score, 104-103 Phoenix Suns. Phoenix takes a 2-0 lead in the series. They would win the game on an inbound inbound pass alley-oop from Jay Crowder that was then put in by DeAndre Ayton with literally one-tenth of a second left in the game before the game-winning bucket. Paul George would be sent to the line for two free throws. Easily can ice the game right here. You make two free throws. You're ahead by three. It's very simple formula. And, uh, yeah, what does, what does Paul George do? Miss both free throws, and the Suns secure the rebound. Literally, if you make those two free throws, the Suns are forced to make a three-pointer to tie the game. That's it. All you have to do. But he misses both, and the Suns have that possession, and the game-winning bucket would then ensue shortly after. Like, a seriously, a wild finish to a very awfully close game. Well, the Suns had an awful night shooting from three, only 23.1% from there, but were able to pick up the slack with their field goal percentage, which was 50%. Cameron Payne led all scores. A surprise outing from him, considering he really never has been that player in the spotlight. He's always been a rotational guy off the bench, but nonetheless, impressive game from him. 29 points, one rebound, and nine assists. DeAndre Ayton, big night from him, obviously had the game-winning bucket. 24 points, 14 rebounds, and one assist. Devin Booker, an off night for scoring, but still nasty regardless. 20 points, four rebounds, and five assists. Mikel Bridges and Jay Crowder both played over 30 minutes this game. And neither of them scored more than six points. Uh, Not good. So we need more production from them come game three. Like, seriously, dude? Like, come on. Paul George led the Clippers in scoring once again. When is he not? 26 points, six rebounds, and six assists. Reggie Jackson finished with 19 points, five rebounds, and three assists. Avika Zubac, 14 points and 11 rebounds. We really miss you on the Lakers. Please come back. Overall, you can feel the absence of Kawhi Leonard in this series. If I were him, and obviously I don't know how serious the leg injury or knee injury is, you got to somehow get in this game or the series and toughen it out. In this big of a series, you look at what have Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson sat out? No way in hell. They would have been playing through the whole thing. He has not played a game since Game 4 of the Western Conference semifinals against the Utah Jazz. The Clippers desperately need his help. And like I said, you know, literally 10 seconds ago, I don't know how serious the knee injury is. Obviously, if he has a ripped ligament, obviously you physically can't play on that. But if it's like a, oh, like a sore knee or like, I don't know, a little sprain, you got to get out there and play, dude. It means more. Obviously, yes, I don't want to derail his career, but dude, you need to get out there and toughen it out. Dude, your team really needs you. For the Suns, they look up to the task. Every game has been close, but they are showing perseverance and grit. Chris Paul is expected to be back for Game 3 as he has missed Game 1s and 2 in this series due to the NBA's health and safety protocols on COVID. He has been listed as probable for Game 3. Moving to the moving to the Atlanta-Milwaukee series, I still am in shock that Atlanta won this game. 
literally last show I talked all that crap about like, oh, Milwaukee's going to smoke them five games. You know, their Hawks are barely going to win one game. I don't even know what to say or how to feel. I said the Bucks would win in five and six games, so maybe this is one of the games that Atlanta squeezes out. So <laughs> the final score, 116-113, to 113, and see, it wasn't even a big blowout or something. They barely won. The game really went down to the last 30 seconds. Milwaukee is down by one with 23 seconds left. Hawks would then score two. 114-111 with 10 seconds left. Milwaukee possession, a down low pass to Giannis in the paint. Fouled immediately. He makes both free throws. It is 114-113 Atlanta still. Next possession, Bucks foul Trey Young on the inbound, who makes both free throws, 116-113 to 113 Atlanta. Last possession of the game, Milwaukee gets a good look from three, and I mean, like, really good look. Middleton receives the inbound pass, shoots, and he literally, like, almost had it. Like, one of those threes were just, like, off the front part of the rim, just, like, dink off the left. Like, he literally almost had it. The game would end. Atlanta wins by three. Here's the thing. The game came down to one shot for the final score. So that right there should tell you I'm still not convinced Atlanta is going to the finals. Not in the slightest. If a game's coming down to it like that, I mean, yes, that literally did just happen in the Phoenix and LA series. But I, the Clippers are good, though. So I understand them being in the series. Atlanta's not good, though. <laughs> so that's where I'm having a little bit of trouble understanding that. The Bucks and the Hawks shot very, just very poor from three. 22.2% for Milwaukee and 25% for Atlanta. Milwaukee has never been a three-point shooting team, even though they have decent shooters on their team. Atlanta, on the other hand, is more of a pass-and-shoot team, so seeing them struggle from that spot is a glaring issue for sure. Shooting did not seem to bother Trey Young at all, as he led all scores with 48 points, 7 rebounds, and 11 assists. Human blowtorch once he heats up. The man is seriously some bad news. John Collins aiding in Young's huge night, 23 points, 15 rebounds, and one assist. Clint Capella, a huge night on the boards, 19 rebounds to go along with 12 points. Giannis leading the way for Milwaukee once again. When is he not? 34 points, 12 rebounds, and nine assists. Chris Middleton, 15 points, five rebounds, and four assists. Drew Holiday, amazing production, and for real, he needs to perform like this every game, like, Milwaukee would be unstoppable if he plays like this. On the night, 33 points, 4 rebounds, and 10 assists. Chris Middleton also, aside from those points, 41 minutes. That's how long he played. We need more from you with that stat line. 15 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists. And we know we know what's, he, he's capable of doing that. He was huge, absolutely huge in the previous series. He was lights out. The Bucks are very capable of winning this series. They have everything you literally need to make a championship run. Defense, offense coaching, veteran leadership, star power, you name it. All they need is for someone besides Chris Middleton and Giannis to have a decent night scoring, and that's it. Brooke Lopez, P.J. Tucker, Pat Connaughton, I am talking about you three. Obviously, P.J. Tucker's not a very big scoring, you know, power forward. He's really only known for his defense, but he still can put in a bucket. Pat Connaughton, you're a good three shooter. Come on, dude. Brooke Lopez, you're the starting center. You're over. You're a seven-footer. Dude, Put back rebounds. Let's go. It's very simple. If you score more than 10 points a game, you guys can coast to the finals. It's very simple. Game two of this series is today at 5.30 p.m. Looked for a revamped Milwaukee team. They're going to fight back to even the series at one. I, I, They need to. Like, they, they can't. If they fall down 2-0, I don't even know where I'm going to be at with this series altogether. 
The final game of our basketball segment, Los Angeles and Phoenix face off for the third time in the Western Conference Finals. And this time, what a comeback for the Clippers in this series. The final score of this game, 106-92. The Suns still lead the series 2-1, to but I mean, the Clippers need to get a win sometime. Sloppy play from the Suns is truly why they weren't able to beat the Clippers in this one. Didn't even shoot 40% from either part of the court, and it showed. Not one Suns player had a total of 20 points. Their highest score was DeAndre Ayton with 18, and then Devin Booker and CP3. Yes, Chris Paul did make his return finally in this game. They both finished with 15 points. So you would think with his return, at least to me, my perspective, the team would feel energized and more involved. He literally is the leader of their team. 36-year-old, 37-hour-old, he is point guard, literally is veteran presence. He's like as good as it gets. The complete opposite. Literally, the Suns had less blocks, steals, and committed one less turnover than the Clippers. An off night from them back to the drawing board for game four for sure. The Clippers shot 45.1% from the field, but just like the Suns, shot in the 30% range from three. Paul George led all scores with 27 points, 15 rebounds, and eight assists. He's just been showing up without Kawhi, and it's been nice because without him, the team literally is not going to go anywhere. Reggie Jackson finished with 23 points, one rebound, and three assists. Avika Zubac has really stepped up the last two games in this one. 15 points, 16 rebounds, and one assist. The presence of Kawhi is still very much missed, but they were able to manage the Suns very well in this outing. Game four is tomorrow at 6 p.m. And with that, we come to an end with our NBA playoff segment. Next, you know the drill. Put your skates on. We shift into the hockey. First game off the list, the Canadians and Golden Knights game five. Canadians win with the final score of 4-1, to one, take a 3-2 series lead. It's looking like the Knights season may be coming to an end very shortly. Max Pecioretty would score the only goal for Las Vegas to go along with one point and three shots on goal. Fleury was introduced back into this game, 22 shots saved on 25 shot attempts for a .880 save percentage in his return. The offense gave him no help, unfortunately. Obviously, they, it was just a crappy game on their part. Nick Suzuki led the way for Montreal, one goal, two assists, three points, and two shots on goal. Cole Caulfield, one goal, one point, and one shot on goal. Eric Stahl, another goal, one point, and one shot on goal. Very same, very similar to Caulfield, literally the same. Carey Price, 26 shots saved on 27 shot attempts for a .963 save percentage. Price and Veselevsky have been real good through the playoffs. Excited to see the outcome of the series. Now this one, huge game six in the Tampa Bay New York series. After that embarrassing loss for the Isles, they would come back and win the game in OT to secure their third win of the series and to tie the series at 3-3. Final score, 3-2. One of the more physical games I've seen so far this hockey in this hockey playoffs. And the Islanders were down 2-0 at one point in the second period. Braden Point, easily the hottest stick in hockey right now. One goal, one assist, two points, and one shot on goal. Anthony Sorelli, one goal, one assist, two points, and two shots on goal. Andre Vasilevsky, 25 shots saved on 28 shot attempts for a .893 save percentage. For the Islanders, what a special game to go out and win. They seriously was win or go home for them. With 8.44 left in the third period, Scott Mayfield launched a top-shelf wrister right over Veselovsky to make that goal the equalizer. Huge turning point in the game. Obviously, they needed that or they were going to be done. Overtime, Anthony Beauvillier would score on a turnover from Tampa Bay a minute and eight seconds into overtime. <laughs> I'm just laughing. An insane wrist shot up close. Game six security. It was just an awesome shot. 
What I liked in this game, Varlamov was solid and the defense backed him up this time. 22 shots saved on 24 shot attempts for a .917 save percentage. The big story of this game, Tampa Bay star Nikita Kucherov exited the game early on with what appeared to be a left shoulder injury. Status is unclear on him. Game 7, finale of the series, is airing right now during my show. Do not miss this game because I know once I am done with this show, I am going to go watch that because... That's the next team going to the, the Stanley Cup Finals to face Montreal. It's the next one. And I little I just spoiled the <laughs> I just spoiled the Stanley Cup appearance a little too soon. But finally, our last game for the playoff hockey. Gosh darn it. Game stick of Montreal and Las Vegas. The most epic way to win a game, in my opinion. Overtime games are the most exciting thing to witness. Montreal advances to the Stanley Cup Finals on the game-winning goal from Arturi Lykanen. Montreal was just rocking. But with that. Unfortunately, the first-seeded Golden Knights are sent home. But what a battle from them through the playoffs. Played some incredible teams and just happened to run into Montreal, who now are playing incredible late-season playoff hockey. And I don't think I'd want to play Montreal because they, like I, I said in one of my shows, they were like the fourth or fifth seed at the end of the season. They just happened to be playing. It basically comes down to who's playing the best, and not regular season hockey, but who's playing the best late-season hockey, who's playing the best playoff hockey, who's going to be hot. So... Aside from Lankanen, Cole Caulfield on the night, one goal, one point, and four shots on goal. He had four goals in the series total, and the dude's only 20. It's insane. Shea Weber, team captain, one goal, one point, and two shots on goal. Carey Price, a terrific series. 37 shots saved on 39 shot attempts for a .949 save percentage. This game alone, supremely clutch. There was a lot of ones that easily could have gone in, but he was he's that good. Alec Martinez, former LA King, finished with one goal, one point, and six shots on goal. He actually provided Montreal with their first goal on a very bad turnover pass to Shea Weber. Riley Smith, one goal, one point, and five shots on goal. Las Vegas had many opportunities to score the puck. Obviously, 39 shots is a lot. They were able to keep the puck in Montreal's zone very effectively, but boy, did they struggle to handle the puck in their own zone and just in general. Plenty of turnovers to help set up the Canadians on multiple shots. It was, I don't know, just mentally, I don't know if they were there in this game. Robin Leonard, 29 shots saved on 32 shot attempts for a .906 save percentage. For a backup goalie, he played well. Can't knock the guy for going out there and giving it his all, even though I wanted Las Vegas in this series. For 50-50, I, did, I, I, so I lost one of my predictions. I am holding out on New York for my other pick. Don't let me down, please. Please, bro, because I'm try I, I don't want to see Tampa Bay and Montreal. I, it's not exciting. Like I want to see New York, who hasn't won in forever. <laughs> so the playoff segments all wrapped up. I honestly just want it to be the Stanley Cup Finals and the NBA Finals already. The games are fun, but that's obviously we want to see a winner. It's come to that time. I got patience, but not a lot. <laughs> but like always, baseball serves as my third segment most of the time when I've been doing these playoff things. So for baseball. A lot of stuff coming up. The All-Star game is July 13th, and the All-Star break is the midway point for this season. So in this season, 2021, the first 93 games of the year, most of the time it's supposed to be split right down the middle at 81 games apiece. First 81, last 81, or first 81, next 81. So it just happened to fall. They just landed differently this year with it being 93 games in the half, and then you know the next half is however many games. I'm horrible at math. The reason I bring this up, teams are making that final push the first half of the season, and you'll probably and there's going to be a lot of trades coming up. But specifically in the NL West, the things are heating up. Really, the divisional race is it's heating up. My Padres are emerging from that third place spot. 
and are looking to jump back into first before the All-Star break, and I think they very, they're very capable of doing so. This past Monday through Wednesday, huge heavyweight match. Dodgers in San Diego for a three-game series. What a doozy it was. The game one I recapped last show, we won the first round 6-2. to two. Game two, Blake Snell and Clayton Kershaw. Awesome pitcher duel. We really were. We were subjected to some awesome pitching duels in the whole series. Kershaw was not his usual self in this one, surrendering three runs, four hits, and allowed two walks through six innings. He also fanned seven Padres. Snell would only pitch five innings, but gave up zero earned, allowed four hits, walked three, and struck out five. His pitch count was in the hundreds at this point, and he was later removed from the game. I don't know what it is, man. He's just had a very up-and-down season in the pitch count. He's always ending up in that like 90-80 range at the sixth inning, and it's just not good. So I don't know. Yes, I know he contributed to him, you know, leaving Tampa, which is where he was his whole career, and it was a big move, and it was emotional. Mentally, he's like kind of just kind of adjusts, and I get it, but like we really need him to show up. Second half of the season, we need him to pick it up. The Padres offense took off right in the first inning, Fam walking in the leadoff spot, and Cronenworth would hit a two-run bomb shortly after to take a 2-0 lead. The offense was pretty much stagnant post, you know, post one inning, post the first inning. Hashem Kim would come in and pitch it in the fifth, blasted a curveball to left field off Kershaw. Padres take a 3-0 lead. It was a thing of beauty. Dodgers would load the bases in the eighth, scoring one run off a of fielder's choice at first. New major leaguer Mason Thompson would relieve Nabil Chrismat in the top of the eighth. Two runners on, two outs. A.J. Pollock ground out to third. The inning is over. Thank God. Melanson comes on for the save in the ninth. Really struggled with his command in this one. Austin Barnes would come on in a pinch hit situation, would solo shot a home run to bring the game within one. Chris Taylor would then single, bringing up Justin Turner to the plate, having a little bit of anxiety right here watching the game. He would hit an aggressive fly ball to right field. Myers secures the catch. Game over, 3-2 final score. Cronenworth ends tonight, 1-4 for four with two RBIs, his 10th homer on the year. In game three, the finale, Trevor Bauer, Joe Musgrove, like I said, great pitching matchups in the series. Bauer pitched six innings, gave up three earned runs, five hits, walked four, and fanned 10. Not a usual outing from him. He's more dominant, but an off night from him. Musgrove, six innings pitched, one hit, two earned runs, walked two, and a total of five strikeouts. Just like in yesterday's game, Padres started hot once again. Jake Cronenworth, I'm telling you, man, hit a solo shot to start the offense. He's so good. He's so underrated. He's easily one... Top three, four, second baseman right now in the game. Machado would follow that with another homer. Back-to-back for the Padres. Padres again lead 2-0. Very similar to game two. Dodgers would make some noise in the fourth. Will Smith singled home a runner, cutting the lead 2-1. On an error from second to first, a Dodger would score on a pass ball. So that's why, even though I did say Joe Musgrove did have two earned runs, only one is earned because that's an error. It's not charged to him. The game is now tied at two in the top of the fourth. Bottom of the seventh, Victor Carantini up to bat. Another solo shot off of Bauer. The Padres take a 3-2 lead. Just so exciting, man. Top of the eighth, Justin Turner would single home Max Muncy to tie the game at three. Emilio Pagan charged that run. Bottom of the eighth, tie game, one out, bases loaded. Trent Grisham up to bat. He is walked by Victor Gonzalez. Runner advances home. Padres take a 4-3 lead on a walk. Carantini at the plate. Hits a ball to right field very well, but it is caught by Matt Beattie. 
but Machado scores from third on the sack fly. Padres lead 5-3. Melanta would come on for the save, second game in a row. Got into some trouble early, just like the last game. Walked a batter and allowed one hit to have two runners on in the top of the ninth. Albert Pujols up the bat. So scary situation with two on, one out. Pujols would hit a line drive to third, but it is caught by Machado, like laser beam. And then Machado then rifles the ball to second to tag up Will Smith, who had left the bag because, I mean, Smith to Smith, it looked like it was going to be a line drive to left field. And the game's over. Machado turned the double play to end the game. How rad, dude. Fired up. Padres win 5-3. Peck goes in a frenzy. The first time the Padres have swept the Dodgers since 2013. A huge series for the Padres. And now we lead the regular season series with the Dodgers. Seven game to three. Padres face Arizona tonight for a three-game series. And that is going to be three more wins because Arizona is just so awful. Oh, and a hilarious side note. The Dodgers got no hit last night from the Chicago Cubs. And it was glorious. Beat LA, baby. That is the end goal. <laughs> Anyway, that is all the time we got for today. Thank you all for tuning in once again for another installment of Abano with Tyler Tide. You have a good weekend, everyone. I'll see you on Tuesday. Later.